This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello, everybody. I am Patrick Walsh. I'm here with my dear, sweet friend, Joe DeRosa. We are very happy to announce the triumphant return of We'll See You in Hell. It's a podcast discussing, in general, a horror sci-fi fantasy title each week, but usually veering into a bunch of side conversations. Um, anyway, yeah. Enough out of me, I guess. Because uh, we just sort of get on with, with the show. And in the meantime, on with the Joe! Patty! What's up, Joe? Walsh. That's me. It's good to see you. It's great to see I'm going to upgrade it. Great to see you. Pat? It's been a month and a half. I'll upgrade it. It's fantastic to see you. Oh, all right. I, I love that we're seeing each other right now. I love that we're back in the living room. Uh, where it all began. Yes. I was back on a, I was, I was out on a month-long tour, and I can't tell you that I, that I didn't meet a bunch of nice We'll See You in Hell fans out there on the road. And yes. the, 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 enthu- the, the elation... Yeah. When I told, uh, particularly this one kid I met in Philly, uh, his name's escaping me, but his, him and a bunch of his friends were fans of the show, and they came out to my show. And the elation when, I, when he goes, you know, man, I really hope that the podcast isn't done forever and whatever. And it was like right after we uh, were talking about how we were going to do new episodes. I said, oh, no, man, it's coming back real soon. I mean, the kid was just thrilled. Yeah, well, you know, I think the reason a lot of people, because I saw a lot of, uh, you know, the tweets, the Facebooks, people concerned that we were gone for good. It was a long time. And to be honest, folks, Joe and I did consider stepping away from the spotlight, Jay-Z style. (laughs) But then Jay-Z style, we had to come back. Right out of retirement. Directly out of retirement. A month later. Hell froze over. The Eagles. Me. And Joe, ooh, ooh, with chairwoman. <laughs> and full transparency, uh, it is quite a busy time um, uh, for for both Patrick and myself. Yeah, with various projects and stuff. So we probably are going to go to a mainly uh, two episode per month uh, release schedule for at least a little while. Yes, uh, but 
we we will get you at least that much for now and, and we'll try to get you more and you know the 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 the, the um i almost called it the hyperion what the hell is that thing called <laughs> The, uh, you Patreon. the Patreon thing is not off the table. Maybe we'll, we can figure out a way at some point to offer extra episodes through that yeah. or something. It's not, it's not off the table at all. Um, we basically jumped ahead gum looking to kind of monetize this thing because it does take up. We, we, what me and Joe were discussing is the only times we really get to see each other and hang out fall under the guise of a, of a requirement because we have to do the podcast. Right. So, of course, two friends should be excited to see each other, but there's like a duty about it it's like it's almost a chore and joe and i weren't spending any time outside of the podcast it was a bummer so we're just trying to space it out give ourselves a little more time and be fresher and better when we come back to you because some weeks we just don't have anything to say and it does get a little complicated when you think you know here on the podcast we're peers but on the set of pat walsh's new tv show (laughs) i'm an i'm an ingenue yeah and uh i'm you know i i'm probably gonna get a little lippy on set that's right. How dare you get out of my shot? Yeah. Uh, the, the, I want to do another take. God damn it. You know, things like that. Right. And then we come in here and then we just have to be regular peers again. And it doesn't. It <laughs> it's true. I mean, we'll see how this set relationship's going to go. It could be like Burt Reynolds on the set of Evening Shade, you know, barking orders at everyone. <laughs> Um, I I'll tell you how it's gonna go. It's gonna and that was an an insane pronunciation of Reynolds. You said <laughs> Reynolds. Reynolds. I'll tell you it's gonna go. It is gonna go Deloise Reynolds all the way, babe. We're gonna have a great time out there together. Yeah, that's right. And and speaking of Deloise, uh, I, well, I'll, I'll get to it. But I finally saw your precious fatso, which we can discuss. I had never seen it. We'll, we'll get to it because there's a few things to discuss. And look, today's film is War for the Planet of the Apes. War? What, what's with your pronunciation today? Is that was that crazy? You said war. War? Yeah. Say you say war. War. There, there you go. War. You're back on. I am. Sometimes the Missouri comes out. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty like dehydrated. I gave blood, and I, I'm nursing a whiskey. It's going right to my head. Yeah, me, mine too. All I ate today was salad and some nuts. Yeah. So uh, this is, I was trying to go on our only beer and wine regiment. Right. I can't, I can't do it. The goddamn <laughs> beer, it makes me feel tired. It yeah. ma- it's acidic. It's, I'm a whiskey it, guy. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Yeah, I mean, that beer just, you, you feel you feel it on your face. You feel it, you feel like it's hanging off It of makes you. me want to go to sleep. Yeah. It's not, not I was good. watching a, uh, a wrestling pay-per-view last night with my dear, or our dear friend, excuse me, Vince sure. Averill. Yeah, please. Uh, we had a great time. I tell you, Vince and I saw Roger Waters. He told me. Hell and of he, a show. I heard it was a hell of a show, and he gave me his assessment on what the best song on the new album is. And it's the song, I, the names escape, the title of the song's escaping me, but it's the song where he goes, picture a leader with no fucking brains. Yeah. Which I like that song, but I feel like that line is a little too on the nose. Uh, well, but I they like had they had a pig flying around with Trump's <laughs> face on it, okay. and then a lot of like Trump with a Hitler mustache and stuff. So me and Vince turned to each other and we're like, "Look, obviously, L.A. This is going fine, but how does this show play around the globe?" And sure enough, Vince sent me an article where people were furious about this Trump bashing. But the first song on the new Roger Waters album is like. Uh, Fuck your president, Donald Trump. It's like the first thing. I think line. it's called Wake Up and Smell the Roses or something. Wake up, you American idiots. <laughs> your president is a fascist pig. And uh, they're like, what? 
Rod doesn't like Donald. <laughs> I was watching a rerun of Night Flight last night. Right. On the how night. The, how the guy who made the, the wall like Donald Trump as an authority figure? Why would like, he? How, how could he? No, I know that's well. Like, that's surprising you can't be to a me. Pink Floyd fan and love Donald Trump. I'm sorry. That's surprising to me that people are going into this concert and they're shocked that, that Roger Waters doesn't like. Exactly. Well, he got like, booed Trump. off the stage in Tennessee or something. Uh, I was watching a rerun of Night Flight last night on the Night Flight app, which right. does not sponsor us, but is a great app for you horror fans sure. out there and sci-fi fans and cult fans. Uh, cult movie, not the band. But um, they were, it was, it was, I clicked on it because the, the thumbnail was, the, it was, a, was, a, was a screenshot from Hulk Hogan's I'm a Real American video, which I remember as okay. a kid really liking. So I clicked on it. And the theme of the episode was all is patriotism. All right. So it was it was anything that had to do with patriotism in the United States. So it started with like some real pro-America shit. And then they're like, here's an anti-American video from Billy Bragg that he performs for the <laughs> Russians. And like, OK, they're not knocking it. He just sings this song called like and it's literally like the youth of America yeah. are going to rot in hell. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right. Like, well, we were much. I mean, it seems like we had a much more open mind to to an exchange of ideas back then. Yeah. At least. I don't know enough about the Billy Bragg punk work. I only know his work with Wilco, which is uh, what did he do with great. them? Billy Bragg and Wilco set to music. Um, fuck the poetry of some fucking poet. Oh god. Would no or Woody Guthrie or let me look it up. But uh, you don't you don't care, Joe. But they're they're beautiful songs, and the lyrics are great because they're written by this great Billy Bragg, uh, who I don't dislike, um, but I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I, I'm sort of indifferent about his sure. music. But he I always like his voice. He always fell into the category of the Pogues and like Morrissey with me, where I'm like, oh, you mean awesome? Well. You mean unbelievably awesome? I'm like, I, I think it's cool, but I would. Ne- I don't think I'd ever buy a record, you know? Sure. All right. But I, I don't love Morrissey. dislike it. I love Morrissey and the Pogues, just on record. Did you like that last Morrissey album with him with his dog in front of the graffiti wall no. on the cover? It looked like literally they didn't even look like an It looked like a flip phone camera took uh, that picture. <laughs> no, I, I like Morrissey. I saw him I saw him live many times. He's great. Uh, he Willie, apparently, it was Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie had written these lyrics without music, and they set them to music. All right. They're, they're cool. That's you know? cool. I'm not a Woody Guthrie fan either, but I like I it. couldn't tell you a Woody Guthrie song. No, he's one of those guys like, you know, he's like uh, Hank Williams where I'm like, yeah, he's I'm supposed to respect him, right? Well, you Hank know, Williams but, is, is the shit. Woody Guthrie was just always like, to me, a little on the nose, Frank. You know what I think I realized are my two favorite songs of all time this no. mu- this week, this well, last can week. Can I guess? Huh? Hips Don't Lie, Shakira. <laughs> Am I close? Uh, you're, I'd say you're, you're, you're bordering on warm. (laughs) Okay. My other guess is all fired up by Miss Pat Benatar. No, no. Have you heard that song? That's why it's not in your number two. No, I have not heard that song. All right. I love heartbreaker by Pat Benatar. Heartbreaker is obviously the bigger hit, but all fired up is a better song. Maybe because it hasn't been overplayed, but seek it out. You were closer with hips. What was it? Hips don't Hips lie. Hips don't lie by Shakira. Yeah. Uh, Traveling Wilburys, hard to oh. handle. Yeah, well, not hard to handle. Or handle me with handle, ca- with, handle care. with care. Right. And end of the line, which is the first and last song on Traveling Wilburys Volume One. 
I've listened to those songs forever. I've loved yeah. those songs forever. I was listening to them this week, and I was playing them multiple times in a row, and I was like, "They're both. Are these my two favorite songs <laughs> of all time? I think they might be. They're both really great songs. And are those both Harrison joints? Uh, I don't know. I think Handle with Care was everybody. End of the line might have been Harrison, but um. I mean, Orbison, the best voice in the game. Orbison, Petty's getting Petty. a lot of shine on those songs. Uh, your your boy from ELO. Jeff Lynn, baby. Uh, coming in the with those man. fucking Ashton Kutcher aviator sunglasses yeah. and just, you know, just I'm killing so it. I'm so tired of being lonely. <laughs> uh, now, have you heard the Jenny Lewis, M. Ward, Ben Gibbard cover of that song? No. It's and really I, great. Well, all right. It's I was, on Jenny Lewis's solo album, which is awesome. Her first I was going to say I didn't want to hear it because I think the song is perfection, but uh, but I'll give it a chance. It's a, you know, it's a great little indie rock cover of it. I'll give it a chance. I oh, and the guy from uh, My Morning Jacket is the fourth guy. All right. He's the Dylan or whatever. I'll give it a shot. Uh, I bought a uh, the Pop Jim Market James. website that you've yeah, enthusiastically. Yeah, somebody else who ain't giving us anything. Well, uh, you know, look, I went to the website. I got some, I, I got some good deals on some albums. Yeah. I don't know why I bought this album. And you know what? I, I'm not trying to go out of my way to shit on these guys, but got this Rival Sons vinyl. Joe, can I tell you? I got it too because it was so cheap. Yeah. And because of their affiliation with like Queens of Stone Age, they opened for them. I was like, maybe they're great. Haven't listened to it yet because I don't think it's going to be great. It just sounds like the Black Keys. Yeah. Well, it like sounds so, well, so do I, but it sounds so much like the Black Keys. I was like, this is the guy from the Black Keys, right? right. And then when I saw it wasn't, I was like, well, now I don't like this at all because it just sounds like a guy copied the Black Keys. Sure. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they were around first. I don't know. I don't sure. think they were, though. But uh, it was no, so cheap. They weren't. And they're, it's, what's very weird is they are, uh, and, and some of you hardcore horror freaks out there who are into metal will realize how weird this is. They're on Earache Records. And Earache Records is is an independent label that puts out hardcore and like metal and like industrial music and this is like the like blues rocky like you know background female chorus singing and you know it just doesn't make any sense so so that's over there in my trade into amoeba pile yeah i got one of those too we gotta go we gotta go i'm sure back in town you're ready to head up then. listen you think i'm not ready i got a bag full of shitty dvds i'll go you think we'll I won't go? We have a, have a little dinner and a, and a pop in Hollywood and go to Amoeba? Well, here's what we could you do. You want to do that? We Uber over. Well, of course, folks. Okay. We go to that Italian place next to Amoeba. We get dinner. Sure. And a few drinks. We go into Amoeba. I thought, I thought I just said this, but you go on. Well, yeah. I'm just telling you how we do it. Right. This is how we do it. No, 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 no. Then we go into Amoeba a little, a little lit up where our money isn't even an option at that point. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, uh, or money, uh, no, object, excuse me, I said it wrong. Money is no option. And then we come back here and maybe we hit a bar on the way home. It sounds great. It sounds great. I love it. All right, let's talk about Fatso. You don't... Yeah, but real quick. Oh, sorry. Uh, and my name is Patrick. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> thanks, folks. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say, because I'll forget it if I don't do it um, now... I essentially am the, I'm the co-monitor of the Facebook page. Joe's not on Facebook. Um, but I'm going to log in with Joe one day and let him read all this shit because I die laughing every time I go in there. I love all that you guys do. And, of course, I love when you guys discuss your favorite horror movies and shit like that. The best thing that you can do in terms of making me and Joe laugh 
because I text these all to Joe immediately, is when you uh, write down like a court transcriptor, <laughs> some section from one of the podcasts that like Joe and I probably don't even remember saying, but they made me laugh very, very hard. It's like, uh, this is very narcissistic, but it's like getting to, uh, you know, see something you wrote that, that you didn't remember writing. So of course you're a fan of it because it's something you said. I do. You know what I mean? I read them and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like a nice little walk down memory lane. I find them hilarious as well. I have noticed a pattern where it's usually you besting me in some way. Those are the ones <laughs> I, I like the best. Well, ones. I've noticed that. The <laughs> only ones he's ever sent me, people, are ones where he wins the thing at the end. Well, you would argue there's not many uh, <laughs> of the alternative. Uh, I, okay. I, I, I'm starting to think there's not, but that's OK. No, the, I, I just I find them all very funny, so. Uh, if you if you hear a particularly uh, enjoyable passage, send it along. I met a lady in uh, Atlanta once after a show uh, where she Call said, "Hot Atlanta, Hot Atlanta." I did well. It's where the players play, and yeah, Big Boy had me over to his place and took a few spins around that spinner, that stripper pole. And the, I don't know why we're going uh, so music heavy this episode, but I got to tell you, folks, Big Boy's first solo album, Sir Lucius Dusty, for me, a top five hip hop album of all time. I haven't heard it. I think he is criminally underrated. It's got some bangers on there. The best being Backup Plan, which should have been one of the biggest rap singles of all time, was not released as a single, to my knowledge. And they sleep on him because they all think Andre 3000 is the genius because he wears colorful pants. Well, I'm here to tell you, folks, Big Boy's got just as much talent as Andre 3000. He's not as weird. He's a little more traditional, but he's also a lot more eclectic and unusual than you might think if I you love, dig into these solo jams. I love Big Boy. Uh I, I've been listening a little bit to the new album. I got to give it a few more spins. I just bought it, haven't listened, but yet, uh, but but it is very good. Um, the uh, um, but anyway, I was in Hotlanta, mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes I'll call it Fatlanta with a ph <laughs> at the top. Yeah. The uh, but she, uh, a, a woman was there. This sometimes is, I'll call it Fatlantas <laughs> with the ss at the end. Fatlantas. <laughs> A woman was at the show who was a fan of the podcast. Yeah. This goes back to what we were just talking about, about you besting me. Right. But uh, she was she was like, I, I, I really like you, but I love Pat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love Pat. And it got to a point where I was like, it's okay. You're allowed to like Pat better. I don't yeah. care. It's like, what, what, what am I? The, the thinnest, most vain person <laughs> on planet Earth. You like Pat's fine. Cut to someone telling me they prefer Joe and me not speaking for six hours. Yeah. Because I'm Pick, so takes furious. Their, you take their glass out of their hand and throw it against the wall <laughs> in the bar. Splash it into their face. All right. Uh, yeah, so let's dive into Pat's uh, movie corner, which is uh, a fancy name for just saying we list the movies we've seen. Yes. But um, actually, now that I'm kind of making my own hours and everything, I, I, I've gotten into a schedule and I'm watching more movies. Mm -hmm. I'll say right off the jump, uh, Fatso, because Joe has mentioned it 30 times on here. It's one of your top three movies, if I recall correctly. It's, it's the number 10 Tied with Malcolm X on my top ten movies okay. of all time. Now, yes. do you think, and this uh, this is not a because I enjoy the movie very much. It's just a question I'm always fascinated by. Home Alone is always going to be one of my favorite movies. Yes, but a big part of that I know is because I was Kevin McAllister's age and I saw it when I was nine years old. Yes, but 
But even even now, I can't separate. Like if I saw it for the first time now, would I love it as much? Probably not, but I don't know. Sure. It's hard to say. Uh, do you think your love of Fatso, because I would call it a, if you'll forgive me, very well made but not not exceptional movie. Mm-hmm. Do you think you saw it at an impressionable age? Do you no. think someone showed it to you that was important to you? Or No, n- none of those things happened. Uh, I, I saw it on a whim because I got on a Dom DeLuise kick <laughs> and I rented it. And I was like, well, this is one of the only movies I can find that stars Dom DeLuise. Right. Like, it's not, he's not second fiddle to anybody. This yeah. is his movie. And I thought it was uh, interesting that uh, uh, that uh, Anne Bancroft wrote and directed it. Started Mel Brooks's production company. Yeah. How sweet is that? That he S- starts a production company to fund his wife's first movie. So I watched it, and I fell in love with it. The, the only impressionable aspect of it, for me, I would say, was, was that it hit uh, close to home. Mm-hmm. My mom has struggled with weight issues, so I found his struggle very relatable. I found what he was saying yeah. about his food tendencies and all these things very, very relatable. Um, yeah, and then and you also, just never, you've never really seen a movie about it before or since. No, and also too the dynamic, the way they portrayed the dynamic of the Italian American family from that era, mm-hmm. I also found extremely relatable. And I have not found it was it is. I, if I really thought about it, I might be able to think of another example, but it might be the only depiction I've ever seen on film where I'm like, that is accurate. Yeah. This isn't this isn't cartoonish. This isn't analyze this, where there are hints of like, oh, that's how Italian people, I, I know how that goes. Right. That was a very, very, the the loud, like every, down to Anne Bancroft when he goes, when, uh, when, when he goes, when they're dancing and he gets out of breath and he goes, and how upset she gets. Right. And then he goes, I'm tired. And she goes, you're goddamn tired. Like every, it was so precisely crafted. And I was like, this is my family. I get this. Yeah. So I loved it. And then I noticed as I started to mention it to friends of mine who were also movie buffs, like Robert Kelly and my friend Chip Jambrone, they were also like, oh, I've seen it. It's great. Right. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, man. Okay. So I'm not imagining this. So, right. I, I, I just love the film, it, and it's it, and I, I think it's it's an Oscar-worthy performance out of Dom DeLuise. The guy's on the verge of tears in almost every scene over pizza. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's describing like how sick he is with himself for eating a large pizza. Yeah, he starts, I, he's weeping. It's I've never beautiful. I've never seen uh, DeLuise better. I've never really. I mean, I've always thought he was a funny guy, but he was he was really awesome in it. Tina Fey's favorite movie, by the way. Really? I know that because Max Brooks, who's Mel, Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft's son, yes. who wrote World War Z, is a, is a pal of mine from back in the day. Okay. And he told me when he worked at SNL, he said Tina Fey, it was her, she was like, oh my God, your mom made Fatso. It's like my favorite movie. Oh, very Which, interesting. And, I, and I've seen echoes of that and some of the Tina Fey stuff like, sure. like the stuff that she creates it's funny and it gets zany at times but it's very like it's very true like you're like I can relate to that you know yeah I mean uh, another movie similar but um, Fatso was about weight and then a relationship was a separate thing I think the best movie ever made about like weight and re- relationships how it affects relationships is Enough Said with Gandolfini I love that movie uh, and uh, Julius both of them about as good as they've ever been. If you've never saw enough said, I urge you to check it out. And then the fact Maybe that he cries, an amazing movie. The fact that it came out after he died, it like compounds yeah, the. That's why I was crying. I think it's uh, it's I mean, a beautiful movie. There's another movie 
that a, that a dear friend of mine starred in. Uh, and it's called Pounds, and that's spelled LBS, okay. period. Right. And it's about a guy that... Go, it's almost like an into the... It's a comedy, but it's a dramedy. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like an into the wild. It's about a guy that gets a camper, and he's tired of being fat. And he goes up with this, like, mobile, this shitty mobile, and lives in the woods so he can, like, lose the weight finally. And the guy goes through the fucking weight transformation in the goddamn movie. Okay, that's cool. It's, uh, it's my buddy Carmine stars in it. It's I thought, I thought a, a, if it were a sketch, the, the funnier way to go would be that he emerges from the woods and is fatter. Like, <laughs> yes. Just been like gorging on animals and things. And then the forest ranger comes in, p- played by Bruno Kirby, mm-hmm. and he goes, where the hell did all the trees go? <laughs> there you go. <Yeah>. Pot man, <laughs> pot beaver. <laughs> That might, that, might, that might be a movie. Bruno Kirby's dead, by the way. <laughs> He's dead, but we could find a Kirby. Fantastic. Crum, David Crumholtz would be a good Bruno Kirby. He's he's an substitute. heir. Yes, an heir apparent to Bruno Kirby. <laughs> I was uh, about to pitch him a show when he passed away called uh, Bruno Kirby, Your Enthusiasm. Oh, and, uh, boy. Excited that it's coming back, by the way? Couldn't be more excited. Uh, my lovely girlfriend and I are working through it. She had never seen it. Oh, my God. So, I mean... What a treasure trove. I truly get, don't take this cre- for creepier than what I'm saying, but uh, I get why, like, when you have a kid, it's so exciting to show them a movie. But I, I feel the same way with, with when I'm dating somebody. Sure. I mean, I, I was... When she said she hadn't seen it, I was like, this is going to be fucking incredible. So, I get to see it again and see ones that kind of fell through the cracks for me. The huge vagina episode. Yeah. With the, with the phone and the vagina at the end. It's incredible. I Garland's. Mean, uh, that, uh, there's just been some amazing, amazing shit, and Gar- I can't wait for the new season. Garland's delivery. No, yeah. not true at all. Huge vagina. <laughs> it's, Huge. It's, yeah, it's an it's it's yeah it's an impeccable show. I I really love it. It is, and I have read from several people that the new season they're like the like some of the actors were like I don't know if I want to participate in this. Like everyone's like it's really really rough, uncomfortable <laughs> stuff. And in particular, they were talking to Steenburgen, and uh, she goes, she goes, I- I'm not exaggerating when I say that, like, me and Ted had to really kind of give Larry a couple weeks before we got back to him when we read the arc. Like, we just did not know if we were going to be able to participate. <laughs> so her saying that, I was like, either it's, like, really, you know, it's like about 9-11 or something. But when she said that, I thought to myself, maybe it's some sort of thing where, like, Ted fucks Mary. I did. And she's married to Ted because of how conflicted they were as a couple. Sure. You know, and that's not a spoiler because I'm guessing, but um, that that would be nuts. And just like how Larry and Cheryl divorced, which threw me for a fuck. Oh, you loop. mean Ted fucks Cheryl? Mary's his wife already. I meant Larry fucks Mary. Larry fucks Mary. Or Ted fucks Cheryl. Yeah, okay. One or the other. Yeah. That that's the first thing that popped in my head was like yeah. some sort of a swinger scenario. Or yeah. Uh, well, I mean, in the last, I bet he's got to do something with Trump. I mean, the man's as liberal as they come. Yeah, I, I would believe something in there yeah. about Trump is is coming. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Bernie Sanders cameo in the season. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but uh, but I'm very excited for it. I I I, I, I love that he presses that he pushes the envelope and uh, and I love the show. And as my cousin Kevin said the other day to me, it's perfect. It's Seinfeld, except they say fuck. And I was like, yeah, that is that's as good as it can get for me. That's exactly right. On television. Exactly right. Anyway, Patty, uh, movie corner. You know what? I don't have much for this. I, I will say that I did see uh, 
I did see Pirates of the Caribbean oh, five. How that? It sucked, but my parents loved it. Okay, and I did think it was a fitting end to the to the to the series. I was blown away to see it was under two hours. I mean, that's at least something. They ended it properly. They tied up the well. There weren't loose ends, but they no, they, they ended everybody's storyline properly. And then, of course, they do a post credit scene. You're like, don't do another one. Yeah, end it. But it wasn't great. What was like somebody uh, walks the plank and then they float back up to the plank like, uh oh, no, no. Do you want me to tell you? No, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Is I'm there not any even, plank action. There was no plank action. There Why was a very walk the plank and there was a very funny anymore? old school. And there you go, this is sort of a spoiler. There was a funny old school like comedy scene, like almost like a W.C. Fields thing where Johnny Depp, like to get out of being killed, th- like the people that have captured him are like. Fine, we won't kill you. You have to marry my sister then. And his, the sister's like obviously disgusting with like jagged brown teeth. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, it's, oh, shoot me, shoot me, just shoot me. You know, uh-huh. so I thought that was funny. Like in, a, in a sort of old like perfect stranger. <laughs> yeah, it was a very old school, like sort of Abbott and Costello kind of gag. Right. But it, but it made me laugh. Um, but yeah, the movie wasn't great. Uh, I was flying home the other day from Austin, Texas. And I was terribly excited uh, that the flight I was on had uh, free movies, and the free movie that I was most excited about was T2, Train Spotting. I'm dying to see it. I'm dying to see it. <sighs> I watched about half of it. Oh. Granted, it was very early in the morning. I was very tired. Yeah. And I tried to power through because I really just wanted to see it. Uh, and it, I, I watched half. I turned it off. Uh, I am curious to see the second half. I'm not dying to see the second half. I just over... So far, my impression was these stakes just aren't as interesting to me. Right. The first movie is about guys that are stuck on heroin and what's going to happen? How are they going to get off? Are they going to get off? Whatever. Yes. Yes. Then you have this movie. Pretty much they're not on heroin anymore. And it's way more about like, okay, what sort of petty crimes do they have to resort to in in order to stay afloat? And and it also starts with everybody being, and this isn't really a spoiler, everybody's hugely fucking mad at Renton, Ewan McGregor. Uh-huh. Because he shows up for the first time in 20 years, and they're like, you stole all our fucking money. Right. So there's that part. Uh, but I will say this, everybody's performance is great in it. Uh, Robert Carlyle particularly slides. I was worried. I was like, after he did 18 seasons of Wish Upon a Star, whatever that fucking show is called, where he's playing like a sort of nice Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> what What are you talking about? <laughs> Once Upon a Time. Is that what it's called? The The storybook show? On Oh, like on ABC? Yeah. Uh, okay. He plays Rumpelstiltskin I, on that. I honestly thought like you, you had started hallucinating or something. <laughs> He plays Rumpelstiltskin on that, but he's Wish like... Wish Upon a Star starring Robert Carlyle. <laughs> but he's sort of a nice... He's like a sort of a conflicted he guy. He plays Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah, and he's like kind of a prick, but he's kind of nice and sweet. Right. And I was like, he can't... And then he also did that great... There was that make, that great movie called Go Now where he plays the guy that gets MS. Love Go Now. And I love the fucking full Monty while we're at it. Right. So I was like, he's not going to be able to slide back into this into this uh, Bigby character. Right. Woo! slides right back in. His opening scene is him with his lawyer while he's in prison. 
And uh, I mean, he's just screaming at the lawyer through a through a Scottish accent so thick there, there should be subtitles. Yeah, in the I'm gonna have to screen. watch that with subtitles. And the lawyer gets scared and goes to press like the panic button. Yeah, and he goes, "Oh, so you want to press that button, you fucking cunt?" <laughs> and then jumps up and slams his lawyer's face into the table and then freeze frames. Okay. So I was like, "All right, I, 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 you know, I'm in." Yeah, it sounds good. So I want to see the rest of it, but I was a little underwhelmed so far. All right. Well, um, we'll cut it. We'll cut it short. And our next. Uh, movie corner we will discuss Baby Driver which I saw did you see it Joe haven't seen it don't really have an interest in seeing it and we will discuss The Big Sick see it Joe didn't see it maybe you should see a movie uh, starring and directed by a close friend two close friends Uh, I know everybody involved in the film yeah Rick Brunel or dear friend uh, he's checking out supporting actor in it uh, I just haven't I haven't checked out anything. I haven't been to the theater. But I, I would like for, to see uh, the Pirates film. Of Caribbean 5. Well, that was what my mom... I'm not thinking my mom had to see The Big Sick. It would have been a perfect movie to take your parents to see. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like... Uh, it's a very tame R. Or, uh, you know... Well, I didn't know if, it, if, they would, if it would be their kind of humor, though. No, it's a... It's a well, I, I mean, we, we could get into it, but uh, I mean, it's a... Well, I don't know. I haven't seen it. It's an extremely well-written, lovely romantic comedy, and it's very funny. And then after and the movie, it would be their style of humor. And then after the movie, I have to hear my mom say, "Well, why don't you have a movie for 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 the next hour? I don't need that yeah, in my life." True. Wouldn't she do that anyway, though? Uh, yeah, you know. So no, anyway, you should see it while you're back, and we can get into it more next time. But it, obviously, it's a great film, and I want to give them a plug. I mean, how often do you, you get to plug uh, something great by people you know and love? Plug it away, and I and I do want to see the film. I just haven't seen it yet. All right. Let's let's get into our movie of the day of the episode. War, war for the planet of the apes. For the planet of the apes. Uh, quick synopses. Yeah, I... This one at least gave you a little bit of a previously on. Yeah. But um, as much as I liked Rise and loved Dawn, although I don't know why Dawn doesn't come before Rise, as somebody in my writer's room pointed out the other day, you got to get Dawn before the Rise. It's a good plan, uh, point. Um, I loved them and then kind of just immediately forgot them. So I was still pretty in the dark during this one. I followed it. Um, and I liked it. I don't think we're going to be as different as you might have thought we would be on War of the Planet of the Apes. But my grievances with these kind of movies are a length. We're talking about two twenty-five. All apes. There's like three humans in it. Two twenty-five. So all that time is apes talking to each other. Two hours and twenty-five minutes. Barely talking to each other. It's a lot of sign language. It's a lot, lot of, of subtitles. Language. Give a quick, but quick synopses though before we get into. You should do it because I'll I'll botch something immediately. <clears throat> Excuse me. It takes place 15 years after Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which, by the way, people was surprising to me because I'm so dumb that I thought apes lived for like 200 years. 
So I, I thought these movies were taking place like hundreds of years after Rise of the wow. Planet of the Apes. And it's like, no, no, no. It's like it, that just happened. You thought apes lived for hundreds of years. I thought they lived for like 150 years or something like that. So like, wow, because I didn't get it. I was like, of how has everything gone to shit this hard since Rise? It's yeah. like if you ever watch Mad Max and you watch The Road Warrior, you're like, it went this bad in a year. <laughs> Come yeah. on. So anyway, <laughs> Uh, it, it takes place 15 years after Rise, uh, a few years after Dawn, uh, and it's just basically about, w- here's what I in, in thought it was about, the final battle yeah. for man and ape. That's what the trailer says, I think, exactly. Yes, and it's not really about that. No. It's about one of the final confrontations between man and ape. And this is, and that's basically the plot of the movie. Uh, and it's also a subplot is them trying to find their new home on uh, 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 a sort of a beach uh, a, a territory, yeah. ge- geographical territory that's like a beach near the sea and stuff. Which, when they first say that at the top, I was very excited because I go, "Oh my god, they're going to where they live in in the original Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes. Right. They live in like by the they live by, on a beach. That's like where the fucking." Forbidden Zone and all that shit is. Statue of Libra. Yeah, so I was I was very excited about that. But uh, as the movie unfolded, it started to kind of... I really liked the film. But it bothered me that it was another... Yet a, another, like Dawn, movie where apes were battling humans in a sort of dystopian, run-down uh, uh, army base or whatever facility in the snow surrounded by the forest and whatever and i was like i would have much preferred they go to the new place where they where they're going to live at the top of the film and then it's them defending the new home sure. or so, something but, but then they also say in the movie this is not the final stand there are right. pockets of humans still around the world but well you would think like to give you know to make some like political uh you know comparisons and shit that's kind of a great story they get their own like beautiful paradise island and the white man comes and wants to take it for himself right and then the apes fight them all right you know you get in some some native american stuff some columbus stuff so you know you can make some nice little parallels here's the other thing that bugged me not that native americans are apes i hope that was clear but the apes would be representing well no look there's definitely a social and racial commentary in these films, like, right. without question. Um, but, like, here's the thing. This is the other thing that bothered me a little bit. So this movie takes place in, essentially, 2017. It's, it's present day. Uh, Caesar has a son. I thought Caesar was Willem Dafoe. Looks exactly like Willem Dafoe. I know it's circus. You thought it was Willem Dafoe? His face looks exactly like Willem Dafoe. Like, I feel like they based it on Willem Dafoe. Even speaking, though they do the the uh, ping pong balls on circus. Speaking of Will and Defoe, that that Death Note show looks terrible. What's Death Note? That Netflix show that's coming out where he plays like some kind of banshee demon or something. Oh, I'm not. And familiar. he's like, just write the guy's name in this book and he'll die. It, it doesn't look good. Is he a demon? Yeah, but it looks really fake. It looks super like CGI. And I was excited. And then the more I kept seeing about it, I was like, yeah, this doesn't look that great. Right. I might be wrong. It might be great. Anyway. It wasn't him. Steve Zahn is that other ape. Steve Zahn kind of steals the film. Steve Zahn was great. Um, 
But this is what bugged me. Caesar, who is the lawgiver, as you know, in, in the original Planet of the Apes films, he is the one that sets the stipulations and laws for, for ape society. He has a son in this movie, and his son's name is Cornelius. And I was like, well, that's weird, because Cornelius is the ape played by Roddy McDowell in the original film right. who helps Charlton Heston. He's not Caesar's son. So here's where it starts getting confusing. This is the first moment in this trilogy where I'm like, wait a minute, these aren't prequels? Uh -huh. They're just sort of doing like a new interpretation of this mythology? I, I didn't know were. that. I thought too. I thought it would. Yeah. I thought they were just prequels. Uh, so this is where it starts to get confusing. The mute little girl that they find in the film, her name is Nova. Nova is the mute woman in the original Planet of the Apes that Charlton Heston falls in love with. Yeah. So the apes like Nova in this movie. So I'm sitting there the whole time going, "Why is Nova? Wait a minute. How does Nova go to be?" becoming imprisoned by the apes like what the hell is going on here does caesar not know well, how does do the two, could it just be a little homage like do you think they necessarily need to be the same people it, it is an apes? homage but that is a very confusing homage if you made us right. if you said we're going to make a a, a a series of star wars movies that are inspired by the original films but they're not directly connected to them in any way and then you have a little kid and the little kid goes my name is luke skywalker you're gonna be like <laughs> right. well that's confusing i don't yeah. know why, like don't you don't sure you know sure. all right that makes sense uh so so those aspects of the film uh bugged me a little bit and and i'm the type of person that likes to point out negatives before positives that all being said I thought it was a very, very well done movie. I thought it was extremely uh, yeah. For, I mean, for the emotional. level of effects, I mean, uh, did the Jungle Book win Best Special Effects? I, I don't know. I it found that movie it was painfully awesome. boring. You really? liked that movie? I thought it was painfully boring. I mean, maybe it was seen at the theater or something, but I, I just thought all the animals were really awesome. And in this one, even that f the first pan across like the ape camp, I I kind of was noticing the effects. You know, when everything in a shot is a special effect. Everything's not going to be 100% perfect. And I just kind of started, I don't know, it was taking me out of it a little bit. I didn't notice I the Harrelson effects. Harrelson was not uh, up to snuff, you know, he just seemed kind of checked out. I don't agree with that at all. I thought he was fantastic in it. In fact, when we were leaving, while we were leaving the theater, my mom said, that, that Woody Harrell, he's a hell of an actor. She didn't get his name right, but I but yeah. I agree with her. I was like, I know. I go, he was a real son of a bitch in that movie. And she was like, you know, you watch him on Cheers. He's the most lovable sort of aloof guy. Yeah. And like and you're like, yeah, it's he's a really good actor. I thought he was really good in it. And I didn't I didn't think after seeing him in like movies like Kingpin, I was going to be able to buy him as a general. Right. And, and as a bastard one at that. But I, I really liked him in it. I really, really liked him in it. I tend to like him in, in lighter things, I guess, you know. Well, who does it? Yeah, I just uh, he just didn't really bring a lot of pizzazz to it for me. There was there was a very kind of depressing tone to a movie called War of the Planet of the Apes. You know? Well, That's, the title is very somber. The title is misleading. Okay, War for the Planet of the Apes. Right. It's not a war for the Planet of the Apes. That 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 makes the assumption that the apes now have taken power and the humans need to take the planet back that's sure. not what it is it should be war of the planet of the apes but it's not <laughs> i know that's a dumb pick nitpicking but as your yeah. friend said in the room dawn versus rise i mean the, you know these things are a little misleading um 
James Rolfe, who uh, who I don't know at all, uh, but I'm a fan of. He plays the angry video game nerd on YouTube. Uh, his website, Cinemassacre, where they do a lot of movie reviews and things. His uh, He did a review of the movie, and he said that um, he thought the movie, he said the tone of the film... He goes, I, I, he goes you, you, he liked it very much. And he said, you might go in expecting an action movie. And he goes, it's not really an action movie. He goes, the best way I could describe this is if Jesus Christ was an ape and then got dropped into a Nazi concentration camp. And I was like, when I was watching, I was like, yeah, that's, it does yeah. feel very Schindler's List. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's dark. It's sad. It's yeah. sad. And you're just, I, I saw it with a buddy of mine and he was like, I gotta tell you, man. Like, if I if I have to see one ape die, I'm gonna walk out of here. I was like, I think you're gonna see a lot of apes, but you see tons of apes die, like up close, like bullet to the head. It's kind of weird. You hear them squealing, and yeah, yeah it's it's, it's, it's upsetting. Very, uh, it's upsetting, but upsetting. it makes you care for the apes. My mom was in yes. goddamn tears at the end of the movie. Right. It does make you care for the apes. It does make you hate the humans. That is the one, not the one, but the most brilliant aspect of this new trilogy is I think it is absolutely brilliant that the people behind this trilogy said let's do Planet of the Apes in reverse yeah. we'll make it about the apes where you're not rooting for the humans you're rooting for the apes and you you will get to see how a, benevol- a benevolent race or species uh, begins and then eventually at some point it goes wrong which is again why I was mad when I read these aren't direct prequels. They're right. just sort of inspired by the original films. So like, no, make the direct prequels. Like, show me how it happens. <laughs> Maybe they will someday, Joe. I don't think they will. <laughs> Maybe you should pitch it and make it. You see, you see a hole, you should fill it. Hey, folks, I mean, uh, let's stop talking about my behavior at the end of the night at my favorite <laughs> bar. <laughs> All right. And I'm not talking about Joe on Margarita Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gang, we're so happy to be back. Yes. And oh, real quick, I have a, I have a Joe Scary stuff. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Real quick to close out with, for the you Nintendo Switch folks out there, I got myself one of these damn Don't things. Know and what it is. God damn it. It's the new Nintendo. It is fucking great. It is. The, it, it, it's amazing. I, I love it. It's the best travel companion I've ever had. Oh, it's a tra- it's a portable. Well, it's a portable that is also an HDMI regular okay. console. Uh, and it is the graphics are pretty much up to par with the current systems. It's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal device. Uh, if you can get your hands on one of these, I was lucky enough to find one at the Nintendo store in New York. They're hard to come by, but I can't recommend it highly enough. However, why does this relate to Joe Scary stuff? Here's why. Yeah, why? This week, July 28th, coming out, Namco Classic. Uh, I think it's called Namco Classics or Namco Arcade Museum or something for the Switch, which does include the arcade port of Splatterhouse, which as far as I know is the first ever horror video game. Oh. Like truly horror video. I know they were horror element, Haunted House on Atari and all that shit. But this is the horror video game. This is the one that started it all uh, where you play a hulking man in a hockey mask and you're running with a plank and splattering demons against a wall and whatever. So I can't wait for this to come out. It comes out this week. And uh, if you got a switch and you don't get this, I, I don't understand. It's that's just dumb. 
Anyway, we're and happy for, to be back. For my Joe Scary stuff, even though I'm not sure that this is what this segment is about, Joe can tell me if it fits or not. Um, a cameraman on the set of probably my favorite horror movie, Poltergeist, finally answered the question, did Tobey Hooper or Steven Spielberg direct Poltergeist? It's credited as written by Steven Spielberg, directed by Tobey Hooper, but wide speculation was that Spielberg was stepping in and directing a lot of the scenes. Yes. The cinematographer said basically Spielberg directed the entire movie in its entirety, which blew me away because it's so obviously not a Tobey Hooper movie, Hooper movie, and so obviously a Steven Spielberg movie. I wouldn't call it a Tobey Hooper movie. I might call it a Toby Hooper movie. Isn't he Tobey? No. Toby. Well, is it Marissa Tomey? <laughs> Whose name is Tobey? That's not a name. His name is spelled T-O-B-E. I thought it was Tobey Hooper. Toby Hooper. I thought, isn't that it? Toby. Oh, I, don't, I don't know that that's right. I, I would, think it might be Tobey Hooper. I right. can't really look that Listeners, up. if you know, tweet us about it. I'm look it up, and if it's got that asterisk like Beyonce, I'm definitely right. Uh, but by the way, that is not appropriate for scary stuff, but I am glad you brought it up because it was good to hear a final conclusive argument on that. And then... He also said that was no strike against Toby Hooper in saying that it was it had to do with the with the strike that was happening and right. Spielberg yes. couldn't direct it. So they had to they basically said Toby took like a kind of a bullet for Spielberg and put his name on it and just kind of functioned as producer. So, right. So but hey, fuck it, man. I'm sure the guy made a lot of cash from that flick. I would hope uh, uh, I, I honestly think Toby Hooper being around is probably what made it so horrific for like a PG Spielberg movie. Spielberg well, wouldn't have gone as dark. I agree. Uh, I think it wound up all the scarier for him being on set, frankly. I agree. So there You don't go. see a squiggle there, do you, over the E? I didn't see a I wasn't going to mention it, but no, I didn't. Uh, all right. Didn't see a squiggle. You got any plugs? Um, I don't. I don't. Sorry. All right. Uh, next week, Kyle Kinane and myself co-headline the... Uh, comedy, I think it's Comedy Train Festival in Amsterdam. It's the only festival with me and Kyle Klinane in Amsterdam with the word train in it. So find that. Come see us if you're over there. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, 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 that's it, I guess. Yeah, come come out to Amsterdam. Let's, let's have a few drinks, smoke some doobs. Sure. Doobie Hauser MD over here. All right, gang. Uh, we will see you, I would imagine, in two weeks. But uh, keep your eyes peeled. Thank you for making us feel wanted, and we are excited to return. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>